With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Jessica, Oracle of the South. Join me tonight as we enter the portal into the world of cryptids, Bigfoot, aliens, UFOs, ghosts, and interdimensionals. Hey, y'all. Welcome into the portal. I'm Jessica. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. I have an amazing guest again for you guys. Uh, My friend and research partner, Keith McLean, is here with me tonight. And we're going to talk about all of his amazing, crazy paranormal experiences out in the woods and all of his Bigfoot research. Okay, Keith is a wildlife biologist. And so let me tell you, if you're on a Bigfoot research team, that is invaluable. Everybody needs a wildlife biologist on their team. And I'm going to explain to you guys why during this episode. Okay. (laughs) And when you meet Keith, you'll, you'll understand. I mean, it's, he's an, he's definitely an asset to have on any kind of research team. So before we get going tonight, I would love for you guys to go um, follow me on all of my social media sites. Um, On Instagram, I am uh, the the Oracle of the South uh, at into the portal underscore Jessica and at war woman goods. Okay. That's my shop. So I would love for you guys to uh, follow me there uh, for all the best, biggest, best updates on the show. And uh, you know, I do uh, tarot and Oracle card readings and do that kind of stuff every day and all my paranormal adventures. So uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. I love, I love doing all that social media stuff. And also if you guys would like to support my show, and everything that I'm doing right now, I would love for y'all to go shop at War Woman Goods. I sell beautiful Native American vintage jewelry. And so I have a big selection. And uh, yeah, it would really help uh, to support my show. All right. So um, and also you guys go um, follow me on YouTube and Rumble at Oracle of the South. I do videos just about every day uh, on, you know, spiritual guidance and paranormal stuff and even some interviews with my teammates like I do here on the show. So, yeah, you guys go do that. It'd be great. Okay, well, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my friend Keith McLean. All right. So he has a lifetime of extensive outdoor experience. Okay. Um, he has a degree. He has two degrees. Actually, he has a, his um, 
bachelor's of science is in biology with a concentration in wildlife biology. And he actually has a master's in aquaculture. Okay, so his first job out of college, um, he was doing field surveys and bird surveys and collecting samples um, to see how the agrochemicals affected the local wildlife. Okay, so his office was outside. Okay, ever since he's been out of college, uh, he's been working outdoors. So He's worked on a tropical fish farm and um, he knows everything about every plant, and every animal out in those woods. OK, so, you know, if there's a plant you can't identify, you ask Keith. All right. Um, if there's an animal you can't identify, you ask Keith. OK, he knows all the sounds. And when you're out doing Bigfoot research, it's really important to be able to distinguish different animal noises and animal sounds, you know, um, for obvious reasons. Right. All right. Well, Keith was a member of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, which is BFRO. And I think a lot of you guys that are watching are familiar with BFRO. And so that's kind of where he started off. And um, until about 2010, he, he was a member of that group. And he led a whole bunch of expeditions and stuff like that uh, before he created or helped co-create the Enigma Research Group, which is the first group that I ever went out in the woods with to do an expedition. OK, and so. You know, I'm going to let Keith tell you all about that tonight. And, uh, you know, he also does, I mean, like I say, he does everything, all this outdoor stuff, but he's also into martial arts and uh, you don't want to mess with them. Okay. Not only is he smart, but he's tough. Okay. And we all got to be tough if we're out there chasing the big hairy guy in the woods. Right. Um, but yeah, he's an experienced tracker and a survivalist. And um, he's really good with multi-tools too. So we're going to tell you guys all about uh, the Enigma Research Group page on YouTube soon because he's done a lot of videos with that. But I'm going to go ahead and bring up Keith uh, for you guys. Hey, Keith, this is Keith McLean, everybody. Hey, hey Jessica. What's up, yeah. Keith? I'm so glad I'm you're here. Intro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was a good intro. Well, you are a very interesting person and you're such an asset to have on any Bigfoot research team, you know, because you are you're like the, the mad scientist out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and you're, you're pretty fun to hang out with too. I have to say you are. So, um, anytime we got a weekend out in the woods, I know Keith's going, I'm there, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Keith, why don't you, yeah. Tell, tell my audience a little bit about how you got interested in Bigfoot. I mean, did you have an experience when you were younger or, or what, what got you interested in Bigfoot? <laughs> I, I sort of fell into it. it. You know, it was always an interest of mine when I was when I was younger. Uh, I remember seeing a couple Bigfoot movies, um, and it was always my consideration that it was like you know one individual out in the Pacific Northwest. That's what a lot of us believe when we were younger. Um, and I just happened to be listening uh, to Coast to Coast with uh, I think it was George Norrie at this time uh, interviewing Matt Moneymaker and. And I was like, wow, this guy's like even had a, named it as a species, you know, Gigantopithecus black, yeah, and that just threw me for a loop. And I was like, you know, so it went from, you know, being an individual to, you know, possible, you know, more than one. So I checked out the website, and, you know, the website had all sorts of information. And the more I read it, the more I realized that, you know, from a biological, uh, you know, a, a naturalist, you know, wildlife biology standpoint, it makes more sense for it to be real than for all these uh, um, sightings and interactions to be either, you know, lies, misidentifications, or crazy people, you know, so it's like, 
all you really need is one true one and you know they exist and before you know it yeah i end up doing an expedition and one led to another led to another led to another and started getting good interactions and you know so i did go but i did start off as a skeptic but i think it was about three or four expeditions into it where i realized yeah yeah these things are real <laughs> and i and i'm sure you you met a lot of really cool people while you were out there on those expeditions Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I met the two guys I started. Uh, two of the guys that I started Enigma Research Group. I met on the very first Georgia expedition. No, wow. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually, after you had been with BFRO and you met you met some some new friends, and uh, you guys decided that you would branch off and and start a new organization. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so BFRO, you know, I enjoyed doing the expeditions, uh, and I, and I like I like scouting for them too. That was that was my favorite part of it. But part of it, being a member, was also um, taking reports and interviewing witnesses. And I did that a few times, and I just was not interested. So I'd mm-hmm. rather be out in the woods and do my own research than, than you know, document other people's. And, yes. uh, and then also during that time, we started realizing that, you know, there's some weird things going on with this. This is not just a nocturnal primate. Never a reclusive primate at that. There's just so much more to it than that. And and there's other things out in the woods that, you know, probably are not Bigfoot, you know. So, and, and uh, you know, the other guys in the ERG, you know, were like-minded. So, you know, so we sat around, you know, talked about, you know, let's do our own. And here's, you know, we want to, you know, we saw basically three different areas of, you know, of the weird researchers. You know, you got the Bigfooters, you got the ghost hunters, and you got the ET people. Right. And, and and what we kind of surmised was that there's evidence that like a, BF, a Bigfoot guy might see that really falls in paranormal, but he's going to want to call it Bigfoot. And likewise, right. a paranormal guy might see something that really belongs in the ET realm. And so we decided mm-hmm. to, now we want to, you know, study all that. You know, we're interested in the full puzzle, not just the, the one individual. Uh, yeah, that's I feel like that's that's where paranormal research is, is headed. You know, the Bigfoot research, you know, if you spend any amount of time in those woods and you really do experience Bigfoot the way that we experience all that stuff, you know that there's more than just that going on out there. Yeah. Um, so t- how was there anything like really in particular that made all of you guys like were y'all out in the woods one weekend and you all had some experiences that were just way more than Bigfoot that you could tell us about? So you're getting away from the Bigfoot, so something other than Bigfoot? Yeah, just something other than Bigfoot. I mean, when you were out there doing some research, what it, was there something just super abnormal that you were like, wow, there's more than, than Bigfoot? What, what was that experience like? Well, well yeah, I mean, so, so early on we started seeing, uh, you know, before I had my first Bigfoot sighting, you know, we'd get the audios, you know, we'd get, uh, you know, knocks, hoops, howls, moans. But then we get uh, the closer they came in, we get more interaction and more visual. And it's usually hard to because you don't want to shine the lights at them. As soon as you shine the flashlight, they're gone. Uh, so but we would interact with them in the dark. And that's when you would see the eyes light up, and power up, power down. And I was a disbeliever in that until I saw my first one. And I was like, and yeah, they're just reflecting light off the flashlights. No big deal. Anybody's spotlighted deer have seen that. But. This was like way above that. So, you know, the eye shine was, you know, uh, you know, and the eyes would just kind of power up and then power down. Um, so that was a big, you know, indicator that, you know, these are more than just uh, you know, primates. 
Yeah, because you know, I mean, how do you explain that? Is there some kind of internal bioluminescence in there? Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> hard to say. Yeah, uh, their their eye shine is so different than most animals' eye shine because it's not only is it a different color, right? Is it's more red. And, um, uh, yeah, I think the eyeshines I saw were usually red, uh, but yeah. you, uh, uh, occasionally other colors. I think you know, I saw white a couple times, uh, yeah. but in the middle of that, that's when we started seeing the orbs. And I think a lot of people kind of confused the two, uh, uh, and you see one or the other and, you know, think it's one or the other, but, you know, if there's two next to each other and then that's eyeshine, but, uh, but the yeah, orbs but, tend to move around a lot more, but yeah, so we started seeing orbs and, and mm-hmm. orbs have, interested me more than Bigfoot. Yeah, really. <laughs> orbs that are, that are just crazy. Um, yeah, and, you know, so, and we're probably, I mean, I myself probably see orbs more than, than Bigfoot. The, the orbs are, you know, it's, it's uh, we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, yeah. But they, they tend to be together. So we, you know, you know, when we, you know, when we have a really full, interactive you know weekend with a lot of action going on you know we start seeing the orbs first so the yeah. orbs be a precursor all right it's about to get good yeah. <laughs> it begins with the orbs and it ends with the orbs usually we have orbs all over the place and now and, and i'm asking these questions like i don't know the answers but <laughs> i'm just i'm having to interview but I'm, I'm usually there with you so i've experienced the stuff that you've experienced so um you know is is i'm just you know, it's it's interesting talking to you about this because we live it, you know, and so it's yeah, actually we, kind of fun to ask you these questions, Keith. <laughs> yeah, it was the same yeah. and we both had the, the falling aerial phenomena, which is, I mean, the best describer would be sort of like fireworks coming down, I guess. Now you saw, yeah. well, I saw it in the, like a, a valley over and these were areas where there were absolutely no people and they're really low and they're you know, bigger than fireworks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a weird one, but uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's just another, another big question. But uh, but you're asking about the orbs. I mean, I do have a couple, like two, actually three orb stores that really stand out above the others. Um, Tell me about them. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think which one would be better to do first. Uh, probably. Um, okay, so this one. Um, okay, so uh, I was. In North Carolina, a uh, good active area. Um, we had a bunch of us were set up in a field about maybe two miles away from camp, and uh, you know, you know, because we like to do like sort of like a little satellite setup. So you have your base camp, and you go elsewhere and do some stuff. And because sometimes they like they're attracted to big groups, sometimes it's a smaller group that does it. So we kind of mix it up. But uh, but I was uh, hanging out uh, with about five or six of us. And um, it was it kind of bored, actually. Uh, and at about that time, uh, somebody had uh, drove up, was taking people back to camp, and the car load was too full, so I couldn't fit. So I was going to get the next one. So he's going to come back like 15, 20 minutes later and pick me up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make it easier on him. I'm just going to, you know, just walk down, walk across the field, walk down the road, and you know, just have him pick me up on the road, so he didn't have to drive all the way. And I got about halfway across the field. No, no flashlight. Well, I had flashlight. I just don't use them. Um, and it's, I hit a brick wall. It was like something told me. I, it's a weird feeling. I, and I'm not sensitive to the energetics like a lot of other people are, like you are. But it, I had to stop. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> it was a weird yeah. feeling. 
it wouldn't. Yeah, I've gotten that. Yeah, I get that a lot out there. It's, it's really weird. It's like you do hit a wall and, and it's almost like something's telling you don't go any further. That's exactly <laughs> it. And, it, and so you, you want to listen to it because it, it does. It's jarring, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then, then I looked up and on the, on the field, I saw three orbs, three different colors. Uh, there was blue, red and amber. Wow. And, and, and I, I mean, it was it was pretty wild. Now, based on where I thought they were, you know, they're probably like 50 yards away. They're probably about that size. But yeah. still, you know, I wasn't 100 percent sure. Yeah, I, I knew there was like in between our base camp and where we set up. I knew there was another camp. And my first thought was three guys hiking headlamps. They all have different color headlamps. And that was my first thought. And I'm like, all right. So I radio back. Uh, we had somebody with a thermal that group that I just left. Say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. come up there. We need to get uh, thermal on this so I can see if there's any human heat signatures under these lights I'm seeing. And turn off, no, uh, no heat signature at all. And to really make the kicker too is like, uh, you know, there are three of them right there. And at one point, I see one of them just shoot across. You know, probably went 50 yards, shoot across back on like two seconds. Like, I mean, it went away. So it wasn't like hopping up and down. It was just straight line, straight line back. And, you know, that was a, yeah, yeah, that was, wasn't any, you know, human or animal to, to move like that with those lights. So that was. And, and you would know about humans or animals because <laughs> that's what I, I love your practical approach, Keith. Like you are, um, it, it's just so valuable to have you on the team to be able to go to you to say, Hey, what is that noise? <laughs> you know, what is that? What is this animal? Cause you know, all the birds, listen, if there's an owl out there, Keith can identify it. Okay. If there is anything. And, and you know, a lot of times I've, I've been talking to a whole lot of researchers lately since I've started this channel, since I started this podcast. Okay. And um, you know, and a, and a lot of people have a lot of stories and a lot of people experience a lot of the same things that I have, but there's also an aspect to a lot of their experiences that I've had that we were able to explain away. Okay. And so that's something that I'd like to talk to you about tonight because, you know, you and I have been doing this for a long time. You've been doing it a little bit longer than me, but, um, and, and you've got a little bit more expertise in it than I do. But, um, but I would like to talk to you about how, um, you know, the sounds, a lot of times people get them confused. You know, you hear an owl and, you know, I've had an owl that hooted at me and then it sounded like <laughs> a monkey, right? Because oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. what they do. And a lot of people get that confused for Bigfoot activity and a Bigfoot yeah. chasing them. Uh, yeah, the uh, barred, uh, barred owl, uh, that's a real common in the Southeast. I think mm-hmm. they're all over the U.S., but when they get in a territorial dispute, when you get like, especially if you got two mating pairs, they're fighting over some turf. It sounds like monkeys fighting. They, they, they have such a, uh, a primate quality to their voice. It's crazy. And, yeah. You know, so that's the, like the number one owl misidentifier there. Uh, there are others that will like, like, you know, you know, it's like screech owls and gray owls, you know, can scream sort of sound like a woman screaming. Uh, yeah. But, but so the vocalizations are, are tough to deal with, but they also do other stuff. You know, they'll, you know, flap their wings almost like grouse drumming on the log, you know, so it'll almost sound like a, uh, you know, like a, you know, a, a wood knock or a chest beat, you know, from a distance. Um, and yeah. then they, they clack their beaks and the, you know, that can get really loud. Uh, yes. <laughs> they, they, they do some you know, strange, strange noises, <laughs> but that owl's a big one. Um, uh, uh, geese can throw people off. Uh, Cause that was like, yeah. Three. 
but 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 it's more of a uh, it's a duo tone tone, whereas the the, the Bigfoot hoops were a monotone, mm-hmm. and plus he's going to be a lot higher and usually moving, so you know. But that's usually. You know, if people have heard geese a few times before, that's not a big deal. But if they haven't heard of geese, then, then that's going to be one. Uh, um, owls mooing. Um, yeah, that that can do it. And their voices can carry a long ways. That that said, I mean, you know, you hear people talk about, yeah, that didn't sound right. That was a Bigfoot mimicking that. Now, I don't mm-hmm. really fall into that, except on rare occasions, you know, when mm-hmm. you can rule out that animal. And the one occasion where I do remember being able to rule that out was hearing a, a moo coming from the middle of a swamp. Uh, yeah. Like, and their cat cow farm was about five miles away. Well, they, that's yeah. where it, it comes in. Like you got to be logical about your landscape and where you are and, and the type of animals that could be there, you know, usually cows are not trotting through a swamp. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, th- there was one time when I lived in Decatur, Georgia, and I was walking my dog at night and uh, there these, it lived in a place called Oakhurst. So there were oak trees everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was walking my dog at night and I heard an owl hooting and I was, started hooting back at it. Well, I guess that was just a really bad idea because <laughs> this owl started hooting back at me and it got like violent. And then it started sounding like a monkey and it was following me. And I actually took off running with my dog because we, <laughs> I say we like my dog knew, but we, I, she was scared too. And we 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 ran back to my apartment, thinking that I was under attack for all these owls. The owls were going to swoop down and, and attack me, you know. But I know exactly what that sounds like, and I've I've heard it before. And it sounded it sounded like a monkey was going crazy in the tree. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then you got you know your your, your canines and felines. You know, it's a bobcats. Uh, uh, cougars, you know, mountain lions, you know, they they let out a crazy scream like, you know, somebody's about to die. Uh, but yeah, yeah. fox can do, they got a, quite a few different voices, you know, uh, like my vocabulary. Uh, so yeah, it's always worth trying to, and you can go and, you know, just Google, you know, animal calls and, you know, you'll yeah. find a library where you can just listen to them and hear all the stuff that all these different animals can do. Yeah. Something that we hear a lot are coyotes in the background. Yeah. You know, we hear that. And um, yeah. And, and and let me tell you, the one of the scariest things that uh, that made me jump out of my skin was a beaver hitting its tail on the on the water yeah. one night. Yeah. <laughs> I think my curse words rang out through the meadow that night. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, I've got the water slap, too. That's uh, that's that, that's startling when you're not expecting something in the water. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, you're never, you don't know what to expect where we go ever. So it's always, um, but it's good to not, to not, you know, I'm, I try to always be on edge out there because there's just so much that can happen and so many things that could surprise you out there. Right, Keith? <laughs> yeah. Well, you have um, spent time in the meadow, you know, and I've had some yeah. former, some guests on that are our teammates with you as well. I've had Trey Hudson on who wrote the book, uh, The Meadow uh, Explorations in the South Skinwalker Ranch. I've had Bob Grumpy Wilson on. Yeah, there's his book. I think, I think we're all in that book. So, um, but, but I've had Bob on and I've had Craig on, um, you know. I, and I, if I'm leaving anybody out, I apologize. I know I got a list now. I might, I've had a few shows now, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, so you've been to the meadow and you were there that night that the black cube showed up and, uh, and you know how, how crazy things get out there. <laughs> um, now I know that was a portal and I know you were on the peripheral of that incident. Right. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about what happened and from your perspective. And also, um, if you want to get into talking about portals. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so Bob and I were on the far end of the field. Uh, so, you know, I think we had like four different groups, different areas. Uh, and I think a couple were actually kind of on like a, a hill hilltop or a hillside. But, um, you know, we heard chatter about it. Well, actually, before we heard chatter about the uh, the cube on the radio, uh, we actually got uh, through Bob's thermals. We got a, two uh, entities that that showed up on thermal, and uh, they were nowhere near where any of the groups were. I mean, they're in the middle of the field, uh, and uh, and you know, it was just we saw them for a few seconds, dis, you know, disappeared, and we called in, and you know, like the one group that would would have been the closest to it. Now we're still up on the hilltop. Uh, the other two were, you know, way away. And so that has thinking, all right, this is about to get, you know, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so so my guess is that, you know, possibly since, you know, since the cube was also in the field uh, and those were in the field that, you know, that might have been the portal that brought them out. But uh, then then we started here on the radio uh, about about the cube and, 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 and what it was, it was more of a, it wasn't like a, physical manifestation of a cube it was it showed up on the thermal but you couldn't see it by the naked eye and so yeah. what it was a heat sink so it was like a cooler area but to be totally shaped like a cube is unnatural uh right uh, and uh so and so pretty much all the groups decided to converge on that spot you know to the people that you know were seeing the cube and by all time hands it, on deck uh, right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but yeah it dissipating so when i got there i didn't see the full cube but it was more of a blob looking but uh but yeah we decided to send you know two people to check it out you know guided by you know somebody with the thermal you know you know it's like you're going towards it no you're very left keep, you know turn a little bit to the right keep going keep going keep going and and um you know eventually they kind of lost sight in radio contact or i don't know maybe it wasn't very long yeah just a few a uh, few seconds or so, uh, and you know they they describe feeling a different environment, and so they kind of backed out and had a hard time. Yeah. It's like some, somehow got kind of got uh, turned while inside. Uh, now I was where I was there. I wasn't watching them because it was really kind of too dark to see them. Yeah, you know, they didn't want to shine their lights because they figured out it's just going to shut everything down. So they were being <laughs> guided blindly by the person with the thermal, and, and me knowing that there was two. Uh, in the environment, I was, I was like watching R6. <laughs> right. I was just like, yeah. It, I, yeah. I, when it rains, it pours. And when there's a little, you know, sometimes we have nights where there's so much paranormal activity in those woods. It's mind blowing, you know, and other times there's nothing. There's just some fireflies and shooting stars, <laughs> you know, so. And, and, you know, and that was not our first portal uh, that we dealt yeah. with. Uh, Tell me about the other experience that, that uh, happened. Another location, uh, uh, mostly with ERG people, um, uh, maybe a year before that. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, but, um, of course, I do need to preface this that I myself didn't see it. It happened while I was sleeping. <laughs> I, I, sometimes, you know, you, you just miss it. You know, like uh, I've showed up a day late or left a day early. Hey, and, that's my life story. Uh, it happens to me too, Keith. My, 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 <laughs> But what I did get was the immediate aftermath 
firsthand account of it. So I feel mm-hmm. I'll be able to talk about it. But uh, hey, but it's I, legit. Go ahead and let's talk about it. Yeah, those four people that were still hanging out by the fire, uh, everybody else had gone to bed. I think the whole expedition had maybe 10 or 12 people, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're sitting around. They, uh, they look off and they see what look like faint luminescent columns uh, in a really dark part of the woods. And they're like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, and these things were probably, I think they were like, you know, like 12, 15 feet tall, like about eight, eight feet apart. And then you know, maybe like a couple feet wide. Um, you know, they, again, they weren't like solid looking columns, but they're like columns of a light uh, luminescence. And of course, you know, you know, Tim, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's the type to just dive on in there. So, uh, so. Uh, and by the way, everyone, Tim, Tim actually went into the portal in the meadow as well. So he's, he went into two different portals. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. You know, I don't think there's anybody that I know that will ever be able to say they went into two different portals because, uh, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so so he starts walking towards it uh, and he's talking back to the people by the campfire. And as he passes the uh, luminescent columns. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Both of them, both groups, you know, him and the other group described that, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm yelling to him. He's not answering. He's yelling back. They're not answering him. <laughs> and I, and I think both of them are getting a little bit frustrated. It's like, why? Why aren't you? Tell us what you see. <laughs> uh, but but you come back out and boom, you know, they they they, um, they lost sight as well. They lost both sight and and yeah. you know one of them. Uh, and he described almost like a different texture on the ground. Uh, so it wasn't like the, the ground that he was just normally walking on. It, it changed. Uh, so our guess is that was that was probably like a you know think of it like a foyer, you know, like a threshold, like in between. Yeah. And had it kept going, you know, who knows what would happen, uh, you, know, you know, and that's one thing that we talk about a lot. It's like, you know, do you want to go all the way in? And if it shuts down behind you, <laughs> are your friends going to have to explain to the authorities? Yeah, he, he just disappeared. <laughs> he walked into this pillar of light. We don't know. Well, you know, it, I don't, it wouldn't surprise me the people in the national parks, the, the Forest Service, they... They're probably wondering where all these people are going when they're going missing, right? I mean, we're it's something that I feel like I talk about this on almost every show, you know, because when we're out in those woods, it's so um, important to always have contact with each other and always know where we are and uh, to, to go in teams whenever we're dispatched to different areas uh, to research because, you know, we can't, it's so easy to walk into something and you may never be seen again. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's really scary. So we have actually encountered more than one portal out there. And uh, and so how do we tie that into the Bigfoot phenomenon, Keith? I mean, do you do you believe that the Bigfoots? I mean, first of all, the let, let me let me rewind. What yeah. do you believe from a wildlife biology background? What do you believe that we're dealing with out there? What what is a Bigfoot to you? Well, you know, it, it, when I first started, it was a 
nocturnally reclusive primate. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they got you know, there's just so much more to them than that. You know, when you when you uh, and I used to laugh at people saying, yeah, he materialized, dematerialized, went in and out of a portal, got invisible. You know, he, um, you know, and there's a term called zapping, you know, like I would hear about people get zapped, but then yeah. close friends got zapped. So, yeah, that is, and zapping is probably the closest descriptor to it would be like an infrasound, uh, you know, like, like predatorial, like, you know, lions have infrasound. They uh, they'll do that really low growl right before they attack and it kind of mobilizes their prey a little bit, so, sort of similar. Oh, yeah. but, but I've had people, you know, like, uh, one guy, you know, got nauseous, dropped to his knees, and another guy um, felt more. It feels like he was being scanned, so he felt like a body tingle from the right oh, to wow. left and the left to right. Um, oh, and, interesting. Uh, and, that, and that one, well, both the, and both those were up close, personal. One was daylight. He, he was watching one, and the one behind him is the one that zapped him. Uh, yeah. The other one was in like a nighttime hidey hole. Uh, or had a pretty cool strategy where, you know, we set people in uh, basically like cat holes in the environment before dark. Uh, Wait, was that, I, I think I've been a part of that experiment before. You squatched Maybe, bait. maybe not that one, but I, that was, yeah, I was, I've been squatch bait several times. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, so, so the idea was like, the, the, they're like hidden well beforehand, uh, um, well before dark. And then after dark, you know, we had, you know, basically the bait, you know, comes in and they just go in the middle of that, set up a campfire and just act like normal campers. And the strategy was to, you know, it's going to pick their curiosity. They're going to come closer to watch. And sure enough, you know, one of them walked right by, right by Lee. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, he thought it had passed and he got on radio and whispered, went ahead in your way, but it hurt him. And the thing was like probably 30 feet away and he heard a little whisper, turned around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a part of the dangers of being out there. You know, it's, it's part of that X factor, you know, and so, yeah. And you're really good at camouflaging and you're really good at, at doing debris huts and, and really blending into your environment. So it's actually yeah, kind of cool when you go out there. In fact, in fact, they yeah. had uh, like a, you know, trail runner, you know, you know, run right by them, you know, before, you know, before, after they set up, for dark and yeah, never even knew they were there. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's important. <laughs> it's important to have that cam the camo awareness, right? Where you go out and and if you, if you've got a Bigfoot research team or any kind of you know group that goes out in the woods, it's good to have that awareness of you know um, camouflaging yourself and and learning the tricks of the trade. You know, not that Bigfoot doesn't know you're out there, right, Keith? I don't know. I I believe that no matter how camoed up you are, they're going to know you're there. They they own the night, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're uh, in, in that scenario. They did uh, get the drop on them, but you know, if if you're just walking at night and expect you're going to like hide, you know, that's not going to happen. So, so yeah. While we still, uh, now I still like to go stealthily, um, but I do that knowing that yeah, they know I'm there. <laughs> yeah, they always know we're there. We're not we're not fooling any Sasquatch out there, you guys. So, um, but that's brings up something that's kind of interesting is that you know we're I mean, are you out there to prove that Bigfoot exists right now? Or are you more there to communicate and just e examine? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, the I'm, I'm uh, experiencing communicate. Yeah, I could care less yeah. what people believe or don't believe. 
And, and, and truthfully, you know, I got like, you know, non-researcher friends. You know, they make fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going out in the woods again. Going to see a Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes usually they ask me on updates. Ah, not much happened. Yeah. yeah I was just like. Oh, we just went camping. You yeah, know. Just, yeah. Too much trouble to explain what happened and why it really happened and why I didn't just imagine it. <laughs> it is. It's really hard. And you know, and it's, it's not like people would believe you anyways. Right? So with all the stuff that we've experienced and we have experienced some really weird stuff, including things like mind speak and te- okay. kind of like telepathy. Right. And so you are trained in remote viewing, just like I am. We were trained together, uh, pretty extensive training actually. And so, you know, I utilize my remote viewing skills in my everyday life all the time, every day. And how do, how do you utilize your remote viewing skills, especially when it comes to Bigfoot research? Um, I, I, uh, yeah, so, so remote viewing is kind of about, you know, getting into the you know, liminal and subliminal threshold, like in a, in a theta state so that uh, it kind of expands your mind uh, and you're able to you know sense other things. Um, so from a research standpoint, uh, it's just getting my mind right. And, uh, yeah, almost yeah, meditating. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, you, know you, you've taken off with that a lot more than I have, you know, I'm okay at RVN. Some targets I hit, some I don't, I think you tend to be a little bit consistently better. Um, but yeah, we can do that as, as part of the research part. But that said, you know, I don't take the RV research as, you know, verbatim. This is exactly what's going to happen. Right. Like this is a very high possibility. And then just kind of take them there. So it's use it, you know, it's basically just another method of gathering intel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in my case, I like to actually go back and look at what happened after it happened instead of going and and exploring beforehand. I think it's really cool to be able to go back. If you, if you choose to do so, I'm not always, I'm not the kind of person that wants to know everything that happened to me out in those woods. Yeah. 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 I know it sounds really crazy, but if you guys have been through the things that we've been through, you might not want to know. You just want to say no to probes, you know, things like that. (laughs) Right. Keith. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, but I think the remote viewing aspect is really cool when it comes to doing, um, you know, research of any kind. So, yeah. and it'll, yeah, like you said, afterwards is good because it connects the dots that you are, are kind of might be missing. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a very valuable part of it. Yeah. And, you know, something else that I think is really valuable when we're out there is when, you know, we, we eventually go to sleep. You know, when we're out there, we all uh, turn in for the night. Some people earlier than others. Yeah. <laughs> and um when, when we turn in for the night, a lot of us have dreams. We have really vivid, weird dreams when we're out in the woods, even more so than we do at home, you know, and I have really weird dreams, you guys. So, <laughs> yeah. Go further to say, like, uh, so what, you know, and it, and it is hard to distinguish between dream and mind speak, you know, it's like, did you dream the mind speak or did you experience the mind speak? And that's really hard. But I will say is I, I I don't ever get it unless it's an active expedition. If there's nothing going on, I don't get that. You yeah. know, so that's a big indicator that there is something to that. True. Uh, yeah, for, for me, I'm a crazy light sleeper, so I don't really ever get deep into delta. I tend to hover around theta and delta, and I think it's that line is where they can kind of connect to you uh, uh mentally. And yeah, I mean it's happened to me numerous times and uh 
you know, and it's it's a hard state to control because you know you know knowing that you know if you just let it go, you might you know go deeper. But if you go you know too high up and get an alpha, then it's all going to go away. But yeah. you got to go into alpha because you want to see if there's actually something there. So you know, kind of you know go back in the alpha state and you know listen and see if I hear footsteps and you know every now and then you know we'll get that and then kind of go back in the theta. I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's a tightrope. It really is. It's hard to do. And, you know, it, it's one of those, it's subjective, you know, where I you know, can I say definitively without hundred percent certainty, you know, Bigfoot are reaching out to me mentally, telepathically. No, I can't say that, but I can say yeah. just all the experiences combined, how they went. It's like, yes, how are we likely? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, those Bigfoots, they, they know when, when people start snoring around camp, that's, that's the telltale <laughs> sign, right? That everybody's falling asleep. You can hear a snore coming over. I'm sure I, I'm guilty as charged. I know I snore around those woods. Sometimes. I, 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 I know, but I also, I know Keith knows, cause I like to put my tent near Keith cause he always stays in a hammock and I know the Bigfoots are going to go for Keith first before they'd come and get me. <laughs> Bigfoot time. Okay, so that's called a Bigfoot burrito, in case yeah. you guys didn't know. He's always the Bigfoot burrito out in those woods. So, yeah, it's the old bait and switch. We put I go near Keith, so they'll go get him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Keith, I actually did have a really weird dream one night when I was out in the woods that um, it was really cold. OK, so, you know, it's always cold when we go out there or too hot. So <laughs> but I was in my tent sleeping and I had this really weird dream that a gigantic Bigfoot was had its face up to my tent and was breathing in my tent. And I could see the the vapor from his hot breath or her, yeah. I think it was him, but the hot breath was coming in my tent and I could see it and I woke up and it, and it seemed so real, you know? So, I mean, did that really happen? I don't know. I, I don't, what if it really happened? You know, well, I never it, went back and looked at that. <laughs> believing it was a dream will help you sleep at night. So yeah, it, I believe it was a dream. Yeah. It was a dream, <laughs> totally a dream. But, um, but yeah, we do have really crazy things like that happen. Out now, in those woods. Uh, uh, you know, so, it's sort of where we're starting to segue, but then got sidetracked. But I, I wanted to recount another orb story that sort of ties yeah. in with the X Factor on Bigfoot. And, it, and it, it's, it's probably, I would say, maybe my weirdest story of all of them. Tell um, me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Active expedition, you know, we had base camp, you know, spread out uh, all that night. I think that night while we were doing our hiking, I think that was when uh, we had aerial uh, phenomenon. We had one person see a Bigfoot uh, run across the trail in front of her. And uh, and we just had just the other kind of minor weird stuff. But uh, but a lot of uh, orbs that weekend. I remember that. And it was, it was it wasn't a super late night. Uh, the more we do it, the the less late it gets. When I first started, you know, I was out till four, you know, roaming around woods every time. Now it's like, yeah, when I get tired, you know, I call it. Uh, but I, you know, I got back to base camp probably like around one thirty. Um, yeah, I had my dog with me. Um, in in this particular setup, because I like to be able to. Just knowing that they do kind of come around camp, sometimes it's good to be able to have a good 360 view. When you're in a tent mm -hmm. or in a, in a hammock, it's hard to do that. So I just had a tarp and I was sleeping on the ground. And so I had full 360 degree view. And uh, other people came in behind me uh, about two o'clock. Everybody started settling in. Now I'm just kind of laying there and uh, you know, about this, you know, about to drift off. 
And my dog starts like pawing me. It's like, no, pawing me, just hit me in the arm, hit me in the arm. Like, Steve, cut that up. Paw me, paw She's on. a smart dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she was very smart. Uh, you know, she she was, I think, yeah, she, you know, my Bigfoot sighting, she probably got right next to it. And I'm very lucky it didn't pick her up and slam her. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but if we have time, that'll be a good one to hit too. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, but then you know, she, she started, because uh, I was ignoring her, so she started being more aggressive. She started hitting the face. And then she, she fish hooked my boat up. <laughs> And I, fish said, hook. All right, I'm, all right, I'm up. Like, and, you better wake up. <laughs> I sat up. She's just, just like a pointer, you know. She's like looking, and I'm like, you know. And it was it was a moon, uh, so so the whole campsite was decently illuminated, and I've never saw anything. But then I, I heard some steps, and then I look and like watch her, and she's like following because it was hard for me to really pinpoint where the steps were. So I look at her and wherever she's pointing, that's where they were, and, and so like. So basically, heard these steps, and that, and she was watching it. She saw it. It was come, comes around the whole campsite, and it get it gets next to uh, somebody's tent. Uh, and we're watching and staring. This is getting close. I mean, it's like 20, 25, yeah, twenty yards away. And and all of a sudden, I see this um, light. Just it starts at the pinpoint and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's about ten feet high, and it got this. You know, halfway between a basketball and a uh, beach ball, you know, cool, you know, white light. And it had a real thin black line, almost like kind of like an iris. So it's just like a thin line that kind of, you know, split the, uh, the, uh, the distance between the, uh, the center and the edge. And then it, uh, and it just, you know, just went away. And, like, and then like after it went away, you know, Stevie just lays down and went to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And, and and my high alertness just totally went gone because I was like, you know, it's hard to tell if I was highly alert, you know, what, what, reacting off of her the footsteps, but it was just, it was, it was almost like a emotional release. It just, just disappeared. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, done. time to go to bed. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that that's interesting that, that you said that you brought that up because a lot of times we have a lot of activity. What do we do? We all go to bed. <laughs> it's like, why don't we stay up? It's almost like it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we'll be out in the woods and we'll be having so much activity. And then we're like, okay, let's go to bed. And everybody well, goes to sleep. Yeah, so, Because I think early on we would stay up and we're up for another three hours and nothing happens. And I'm like, yeah, that was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, except for the REM pods. The REM pods will go off all oh, night. And yeah. We just have to yeah, turn them like, off. It's yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore REM pods now. But, uh, but back to that sighting. So the next morning, we're sort of, uh, you, know, you know, sitting around, you know, drinking our coffees. And, and and Don starts complaining about, you know, somebody walking around his tent last night. Oh, yeah. When was that? Was that about 2.30, Don? Because, yeah, that, that wasn't you, was it? It sounded like it didn't really sound like you. It sounded like something, you know, somebody bigger. I go, well, no, it wasn't me, but let me tell you what happened. <laughs> so, so, so he got, you know, because we're what, right next to his tent when it disappeared. And uh, so, yeah, so he heard the steps as well. And so the, you know, I guess the moral of that story is I, it's hard not to believe that they can be interdimensional after seeing that, you know, or something was. I can't be for certain it was a Bigfoot. It was just something that had large, heavy football. Um, but it did go interdimensional. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, have you found bedding out there? And have you found, I mean, I know that you found tree twists and all sorts of tree structures and things like that, but do you, have you found evidence of where Bigfoots live? And, you know, someone was asking a question, um, you know, how, what's the secret to Bigfoot staying warm? And, and they, now, now, if they're going in, in between dimensions, then, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's all sorts of you know, speculations on that. You know, thick hide, you know, thick skin. They're impervious to the elements, and where they don't need to have structure. And you know, they're just you know, if they're tired, they'll sleep. And you know, if it rains, it rains. If it snows, it snows. They don't. They don't care. Uh, but then it's like, yeah, you know, if it, you know, if the weather gets bad, you know, they go home. <laughs> there's that. Uh, but but I'm not a big structure guy. Um, you know, you know, as far as like bedding goes and tree bends, you know, there's so many things out there that can create that. You know, it's like bears will bend trees over, you know, marking territory, getting food, you know, like you know, berries that might be on it. They call them whammy trees, uh, you know, weather events. And, you know, and you can have them facing two different directions, you know, from a, like a circular yeah. weather pattern. And then you can't discount board campers. Uh yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, like if you look at old Boy Scout manuals, you know, they, they you know, bend trees for like a, a marker to point like, you know, this is where the water is. So this is where you know, our, our site is. Um, right. And then and I've, I've seen videos, YouTube videos of, of nests and all the nests are debris huts. Like so somebody was doing some pre camping, built a debris hut and left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and no, you, no, you, no, you're, you're the king of debris huts. I mean, you've actually not, to, was it last year, you went out and, and went up to one of our locations and built a debris hut and spent the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Thanksgiving. I, I decided, Very you know, natural. Like, yeah, it was COVID, and like, I didn't feel like hanging out with family. I'm like, no, I'm going to celebrate the way the pilgrims used to. Cold oh, hunger. man. I said, I, said, I said a couple of prayers for you that weekend, by the way, Keith. I was a little worried about you, but I know how tough you are. Now, now before, we only have a few more minutes left, Keith, and I know I uploaded all these pictures of hair samples, okay? And so we've got to, we got to touch on this before we go tonight, okay? Because um, there was a time where you and Craig, um, Craig Jackson, who was on my show, Last month, um, you guys were out and found this. There was a, a tree that had some hair. Can you explain what this is? Yeah, and that's, that's Craig, a, by the way, everybody. That's a, a tree that had fallen across a remote trail. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably, you know, the bottom of that where Craig is touching is about four feet off the ground. Uh, okay. But there was tough, tough to really fine hair uh, attached to that bark. Two different colors. It was both black and red. Uh, but they're kind of mixed together, so it was like something that kind of had, and, and those are like, and when I say red, it's more more of a kind of a brownish red. But those are two colors that people distinctly you know you know see. Now, if it was two individuals or one individual with multiple types of hair, it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, hair is there's a lot of hair in the woods. You know, every yeah. every mammal out there has hair, and and different types of hair. But uh, for me. Uh, you know, there, there's a, a few reasons why I'm pretty uh 99% on this being Bigfoot hairs. Um, uh, you know, for one thing, was the the location of it four feet off the ground. You know, that eliminates pretty much any you know, quadrupedal mammal you know walking underneath it. Uh, so it would have had to have been a biped, you know, ducking underneath it, you know, whether you know, got their head or his shoulder, you know, who knows. So at that point, can't rule out human. Uh, so really, you know, that narrows it down to 
human or Bigfoot. And let me, let me, while you're talking, I'm going to bring up, okay, this is human hair right here. Okay. So yeah, this is what human hair looks like. What my the microscope. That's now, Keith's hair, everybody. I can't remember. The, I think that's 400 X. Um, uh, I can't remember actually, but uh, show the Bigfoot hair and that's a size comparison, same magnification. Uh, so it's about half as, uh, half as thick. Uh, no, I took those pictures before I got a micrometer slide. The micrometer slide is a slide that measures the diameter. Came back later and that was 50 microns, which is uh, smaller than human and, you know, is what mm -hmm. you know, some of the people that have written books about, about Bigfoot, you know, say it falls into. That right there is the distal end, so the, the, the end of the hair. Uh, so that is some a hair that has not been cut. Um, so, so now we're looking at an individual that does not cut his hair. Okay. And, and then the uh, oil glob and, there. And that, and there was, there was, there was like oil globules all over it. And that's, that's one of them. So it was not only, so it's somebody that didn't wash his hair or, you know, cut his hair. And so, yeah, you can't rule out like some crazy redneck never washed his hair or cut his hair, but, uh, <laughs> oh. but, but you can find right. out the size of it. Yeah, that, 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 that's a big one. <laughs> well, also, you, you said that a lot of people confuse um, algae for, um, is it algae for, for Bigfoot hair? Yeah, yeah. Now, is that what this is? Yeah, yeah. There's a, like a filamentous algae. It's sort of like, uh, sort of in like the same, you know, think of like mistletoe. You know, mistletoe is an algae that just kind of hangs on trees, and that's what that is. So like, uh, um, so that is like, I think that is, yeah, that's like, it's branching off. Uh, you know, one of them, you see it, there's a fork and mm -hmm. then somewhere, I think I give you where there's like a growth ring that shows the new growth. But, uh, and also that was a little bit thicker. I think that one is like 60 or 70 microns. Um, but um, yeah, I can't remember. I think, yeah, that, that's the fork. I mean, that, that's, okay. yeah, it, 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 you know, once I you know, saw that, that was like the first cues. Like, and this was a sample that somebody had sent me to take a look at and, you know, I hated it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. It's not a, not a big foot here. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just so many things that it could be confused for. And, you know, we don't, we don't know if that's Bigfoot or not. I mean, um, but, but Hey, it's, it's pretty cool. And you are um, all about taking the samples and, you know, now have you, do you have any Bigfoot casts? I know a lot of people that are just getting into Bigfooting, especially are really into Bigfoot yeah. casts. The footprints. Yeah, most of the tracks that I'll come across are really more on the you know partial tracks or sign, and mm -hmm. you know and, and and that's really part of, and that's why we're you know trained trackers. It's like yeah, you don't if you're expecting to see a track line you know with you know big 14 inch foot with five toes on every step, yeah, you're you know yeah unless you're at the beach, you know that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. But uh, but like uh, I think in all the tracks I've seen, I've seen one that was complete, you know, with the you know in the right size range, with the dermal ridges going the right way. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that. Those are few and far between. So um, when we first started, you know, we'd carry casting material. And it's just dead weight, you know. So I don't, you know, yeah. I think we move on. It, it's it, a lot of work, right? <laughs> a lot of work. Well, Keith, I. This this episode is almost done. We have about one minute left. So um, I wanted to um, I want you to tell people where they could find um, all of your YouTube videos. OK, we have the Enigma Research Group um, YouTube channel. So do you want to tell us really quick about that? We've got about a minute. I, I'm sorry to admit we have not added any content. Uh, content. But hey, but it's valuable. The things are on there. 
Yeah, um, you know, so, yeah, I think if you just do a search on Enigma Research Group, we'll see where we've done different videos, you know, some on like, like we did like a paranormal one, Coursewood Manor, I think you're in that one. Yeah, we have over uh, 50,000 like, views on that, those videos, that's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah and some survival stuff, uh, but you go to our website, EnigmaResearchGroup.com, you know, mm -hmm. there's a section in there, I, mean, I think it has a link to our YouTube, but it also has like you it know, does. articles and like field manuals and uh, you know whatnot. So it's you know interesting if you're interested in researching, that's a good starting point to. You know, yeah, and we've uh, got a really good uh, DVD, right, Keith? Uh, yeah, the survival <laughs> the tracking video. Say if anyone's if anyone's interested in one of those um, Bigfoot field research tracking videos, it's made especially by Keith and the, some of the other fellows in our group. Um, contact me. We've got them. I you know you got to pay some shipping, but we'll get them out to you. They're actually really good videos. <laughs> Buy a hundred bucks worth of jewelry at War Woman Goods to get a free yes. video. Yeah, you guys go to War Woman Goods, please buy some jewelry and uh, and I'll I'll throw in a, a, a tracking video. <laughs> <laughs> just put a just put a note on there that you saw me on into the portal. Okay, but Keith, thank you so much for being here tonight. There is a, there is a stipulation. What stipulation? It's like a two-hour video. It's all you about watch the whole thing. <laughs> and you have to have a DVD player still. A lot of people don't have those anymore, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, Keith, thank you so much. I hope you come back on the show. We still have so much more to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even get to my Bigfoot sightings. You know, what we do is talk I about mean, <laughs> we, Well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get to those next time because you know we've got okay. we've got the whole year left. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk Bigfoot next time you come on a little bit more. Okay. All right. Well, everybody, I had we had a whole lot of Bigfoot researchers watching tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Next week, I'm going to have Connor Flynn on from Bigfoot Anonymous, and I cannot wait. His energy is just out of this world, and I can't wait to talk Bigfoot with him. So, you guys, thanks again for being here and going into the portal with us, and we'll see y'all next time. Thanks, Keith.